We're going to pick up where we left off in our study of the book of Exodus at Exodus chapter 6, verses 28 through chapter 7, verse 7. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your brother, your prophet. You shall speak all that I command all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply signs, my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and I will bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt. And bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to the Lord. Father, we come to you this morning and ask that you would give us uh, insight and that you would work in our hearts and our lives through the power of your word and your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2019, we find ourselves in a place where we, uh, as we always should, are looking uh, to grow in our confidence in the Lord and our confidence in the Lord's word and confidence in the Lord's plan. And how is it that we grow in confidence in the Lord? You know, how do we move ahead with faith and in obedience? We find ourselves here at this juncture. We'll look a little bit at the verses that lead up to this. We find that neither Israel is confident in the Lord, nor is Moses particularly confident in the Lord and in the plan of the Lord. And the Lord says that he, as Yahweh, will make himself known. He will make himself known, and in making himself known, uh, they will grow in confidence in the Lord and in his plan. A man by the name of Ahmed was in line in a movie theater uh, getting ready to purchase tickets with his children. Two children were with him, and they were a ways back in line. And up at the uh, actual place where tickets were being purchased, the, uh, somebody was holding up the cashier with a shotgun and then came down the line uh, and asked each patron, person coming in, for their valuables and got to Ahmed, and he did the same thing. Uh, Ahmed uh, was um, trained in martial arts, in in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And so uh, he says this, My protective instinct overcame the fear. When this gentleman walked past me, I asked my kids to be quiet, and I told them I would come back. It was instinctive. I didn't think about it. I just saw that there were other people there, other children. He said, So I hid behind him. I just followed about 8 to 10 meters, and when I felt ready, I grabbed him by using a jujitsu method, and then I put him down and switched to the side control to make him release his shotgun. And after the ordeal was over, 
he went in and he watched the movie with his kids, which happened to be Superman. Um, now, his children knew their dad and probably knew their dad uh, was trained in martial arts and, and had a certain knowledge of his ability, but they knew their father in a different way that day as protector like they'd never known him before. And in a similar way, the Bible here in, the, in our texts will reveal to us that God is saying, I am Yahweh, I am the Lord, and you are going to know me, and you're going to know me in my mighty acts of deliverance and my mighty acts of judgment. And as I said, we start with the Israelites. They're not particularly convinced. Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 God says to Moses, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from the slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. How will you know that I am the Lord your God? By experiencing deliverance, by observing the judgments. Chapter 6, verse 9, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. If you were here earlier as we were talking about the book of Exodus, you uh, you noted that the Israelites were told by Moses, God is going to deliver you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses went to Pharaoh and told Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said, well, I'll just make things more difficult on the Israelites, and I'll make their slavery more burdensome. And so the Israelites were, thank you, but no thank you, Moses. We were better off before you came to so, uh, your so-called deliverance is really not something we're interested in. Now, that's even after God told Moses that it was not going to be an easy process, and yet the people were impatient. I was visiting with Angeline Manning before Christmas. She's one of our honor roll members, and some of you know Angeline, some of you don't. And uh, as is pretty typical when I visit Angeline, there's usually a nugget thrown in there by Angeline where she ministers to the minister. And in this particular uh, time, it was she was talking about her devotion. I was reading in my devotion. Uh, it was a context of prayer. She was saying, I'm praying for patience, and I said, I'm praying for patience. And she said, I was just reading in my devotional uh, reading that uh, the particular author said that, you know, if you are impatient, uh, then it shows, uh, if, you're, if you're unthankful, uh, if you're impatient, it shows that you are not thankful for the present circumstances that God has you in. Like, hmm, that's good. And as I started to think about that a little bit more, I thought, if you're impatient, it also shows that you have lack of faith in the plan of God for you in your life. The people of Israel were impatient. They wanted God to do his deliverance in their time frame. So they were not, they were, they were not interested in listening to God's word at that point. They were not confident. But Moses was not confident either. He was not confident that God was going to work through his word to Pharaoh. And we read that in chapter 6 verse 10 and following the Lord said to Moses go and tell Pharaoh king of Egypt to let the people of Israel go out of his land but Moses said to the Lord behold the people of Israel have not listened to me how then shall Pharaoh listen to me 
for I am of uncircumcised lips. Moses wasn't confident. He wasn't confident in God's calling on his life. And he wasn't confident for two reasons. The first one was he said, if the easier thing isn't happening, why should I think the more difficult thing will happen? I mean, if the, if the children of Israel won't even listen to the word that I give them, why should we think that the even more hostile Pharaoh will listen to me? You know, that is normal, isn't it? We kind of do our calculations of the plan of God, the work of God. If we pray for something and, and it doesn't happen, and, you know, why should we think something even more difficult will happen? Um, oftentimes, it's easy for us to think in terms of the natural order of things and how things happen according to statistics and probability. Uh, just this week, at the end of the week, I think it was Thursday, uh, I get a call uh, from Gabe Allen. Gabe says, Ron, this person called me from out of the blue from Texas and says they want to give us money from their church. And I said, okay, well, how did they get your number? He says, I have no idea. Uh, he said, I didn't, sort of didn't look a gift horse in the mouth. I just said somebody would be in touch. And so I called this person, and she said, uh, we're from um, a town in Texas, and our session has voted to give you uh, your church $10,000. Would that be okay? And I said, Yes, that would be okay. Uh, that would be that would be just great. Um, and uh, they just, in fact, they've been trying to contact us basically since the hurricane, but had a hard time contacting us. So from out of the blue, a different denomination, not our denomination, uh, a church we've never had any contact with, um, gives us ten thousand dollars. Now, if you had asked me the day before, would I expect a church we had no contact with? Uh, from another denomination to give us $10,000 tomorrow. My, I would say, no, I don't think that's very probable. And yet that's how God works. And part of the way, reason God works that way is because he is going to get glory. We are going to see the mighty acts of God. We're going to watch him deliver. So that's the first thing. The first thing was... Uh, the children of Israel were not confident. Uh, Moses was not confident. Moses was not confident because uh, he said, why should something uh, that is relatively easier to happen and it doesn't happen, why should I think something more difficult uh, will happen? I don't see this happening. But the second thing was, he says, I'm a, a man of uncircumcised lips. Now, you'll recall when we looked at Moses' encounter with God, as God encountered Moses, uh, at the burning bush, he essentially said as one of his excuses to God of why he was not the guy for the job, was that he, uh, he didn't speak well. Uh, he essentially said, I ain't got no good at speaking, uh, and so don't, don't pick me, I'm not the guy. Um, and it may be that this is just a, a recasting of that in another way, because, but this is different language. He's saying, I've um, circumcised lips. In general, that terminology is of sin, that he felt himself unworthy. And so it is either Moses saying that I don't have the giftedness to pull this off, or more likely that I'm too sinful to pull this off. This might actually be a little bit of an illusion. We talked about this encounter uh, that, that God had where he almost killed Moses because he had not circumcised his son. 
And so it may be there's an illusion there. You know, I was sinful. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. But in any case, Moses did not feel like he was up for the task. And uh, he said, I'm not, I'm not ready. And maybe uh, you don't feel ready for the calling that God has given to you. Um, you're in the midst of a calling. Um, you might not have experienced a burning bush in front of you. Uh, you might not be like Samuel in your room where the Lord speaks to you audibly. Uh, but nevertheless, you find yourself in the midst of a calling. And it may be. Uh, through going through this hurricane. You are in the midst of dealing with very difficult responsibilities that you have never had to deal with before. Uh, perhaps you are not wise in the ways of reconstruction or of uh, dealing with uh, vendors or contractors or insurance companies. And you might want to say to the Lord, Lord, why did you call me uh, to go through this? It may be that God has given you other responsibilities. You know, your parents, you're like, when I signed up for this, I was thinking this was pretty easy. I watched my parents do it. How difficult could this be? Uh, and I find myself in a position of saying, this is tougher than it looks. Uh, I don't think I'm really up for this. And yet God has placed you uh, with the blessing of children and in a position of leadership as a, as a mother or a father. Uh, you're married. Uh, you're called to love and respect your spouse. That can be difficult. Um, you have people that are brought into your life with various needs. Uh, you didn't ask for them to be brought into your life, and yet God has a calling on your life at this time. Uh, some of you have just been elected as officers of our church. Uh, some of you are serving on the session and the diaconate, uh, the rebuild team, and you might say, well, I don't necessarily feel up for it. Uh, perhaps I'm uh, not gifted. Perhaps I've got sin in my past. And, and let me say, if there is sin in your life, then do confess it and repent of it. Uh, but oftentimes people wrestle with the fact that they've got sin in their life in the past. And God says that he will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for your sins. And so we come to God, and we don't feel confident at times. And so what did God do with Moses? He began to encourage Moses in his calling. Now, the first thing he did was, we find this in, in uh, chapter 6, verses 14 through 27, we find the genealogy of Moses and Aaron. And I did contemplate spending a whole sermon on the genealogy. Uh, some of you will be thankful that I did not uh, decide to do that. Uh, as I've gone through it, it's actually more interesting than you might imagine. But let's just say for the sake of uh, time, uh, what we're going to do is, is cut to the chase. And what this genealogy here serves as is a um, uh, highlighting Levi, the tribe of Levi, of which Aaron and Moses are part of. The tribe of Levi, who uh, were responsible for overseeing uh, the tabernacle, and for overseeing the priesthood. And so Moses and Aaron were called and were made part of the tribe of Levi. And this is something that is important uh, as much to the children of Israel as to Moses and Aaron. I mean, this was the pedigree. Uh, this was, you know, they were legit uh, in the eyes of the people. And we read that at the conclusion of, of the 
uh, genealogy in verse 26. These are Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. Got it? These guys that we're talking about, they have this particular pedigree, and it's a good one for the particular cause. And then God encourages Moses for his calling. Uh, We find that nobody here is confident but God. God is completely confident. You, You notice in all these encounters, God does not waver in the least. He's not wringing his hands. He's not going, oh, I can't believe I thought this was going to happen. Uh, And that happened instead. No, this is all according to the plan of God. And what we find God doing to encourage Moses is God puts Moses on par with Pharaoh, even greater than Pharaoh. We read that chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to to let the people of Israel go out of his land. Now, the first thing that we learn from this is just the simple process of how God deals with prophets. Prophets are simply to speak what God tells them to speak. They're not to add anything or subtract anything. But there's more going on here than simply telling us the process by which God speaks through the prophet. Instead, he says here, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh considered himself to be a god. And the Egyptians considered Pharaoh to be a god. And God says to Moses, the literal, the the English translations, I think, are just too nervous to put this actual translation in here. The word like is not in the uh, Hebrew Bible. See, I have made you Elohim. I have made you God to Pharaoh. Elohim is the generic word for God. It's not the word Yahweh, the one true God. It's the generic word. And so... He is simply saying he is going to be like a god to Pharaoh. He is not only on par with Pharaoh, Pharaoh is going to have the utmost respect for Moses because God will make it so. And then we read this in terms of his inadequacy uh, in helping him deal with that and to encourage him. He says, but I will... Harden Pharaoh's heart, and I will multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh will not listen to Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. We find that God again is gracious and merciful and encourages Moses through the backstory. He tells Moses what's going on. Pharaoh's not going to respond. That's okay. That's the plan. The plan is that he will harden his heart and that he will not respond to the signs and wonders that God does. And more and more and more, he will put put himself in a position where he and the Egyptians will fall under the judgment of God. Now, just a little word on God hardening Pharaoh's heart. We talked about this before, and we'll talk about it again in detail but what we need to know for, the, for this particular situation with Moses is you need to hear this like Moses is hearing it. 
And that is Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh's response and Pharaoh's reaction is not outside of God's control. This is all part of God's plan. That God will bring judgment on Egypt and judgment on Pharaoh. And by doing that, he will deliver the children of Israel. Those two things go together. A great act of deliverance through a great act of judgment. And God comes to us. And God encourages us in general through his word. He says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. And then he commissions us. And he promises to be with us. We read in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then he gives us a glimpse of the plan, doesn't he? He tells us what the ending is going to be like. And we read that in the book of Revelation after much travail and much difficulty. We read in Revelation eleven fifteen, the seventh seal, the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. We have a God who has revealed to us so much more than Moses had, so much more than the Israelites have. We are, we are people who live on the other side of the deliverance of the exodus through the Red Sea. We are those that live through the ultimate deliverance and on the other side of the cross where the judgment of God fell on Jesus Christ. And in that judgment, we receive deliverance. Just as Heath spoke of last week in his sermon, and I spoke of my last week as we were looking at the book of Exodus there is, in the cross, the ultimate judgment. The difference here from what happened to the Israelites in Egypt is this. That Egypt and Pharaoh would come to deserve the judgment. And through that deserved judgment, the Israelites would be set free. But for us, we deserve the judgment. And yet someone else has received the judgment. Jesus Christ, the righteous one for the unrighteous, for you and me. He took the judgment in our place. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And we have experienced deliverance. Deliverance from the condemnation of death, the result of our sin. The penalty. Deliverance to the promised land, the true promised land, heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, a wonderful eternal reality where we are restored in fellowship, uh, perfect fellowship with God and with one another for all eternity, where we are loosed from the grip of sin in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have been delivered through Jesus, through his death on the cross, through his perfect life lived for us as our substitute. As we put faith in him, the Bible in the book of Romans chapter 325 says that God put forth Jesus as a propitiation by his blood to be received by 
faith. That is propitiation, that the wrath of God that we rightly deserved fell on Jesus. God averted his wrath from us. And then in the next verse, it says that we are justified by faith. That Jesus' perfect righteousness is credited to our account at the point we trust in him and what he's done to forgive us of our sins, to make us completely righteous in God's sight, and to free us and to deliver us from sin's tyranny. That's Yahweh. That's God. He has revealed himself in his mighty act of judgment and his mighty act of deliverance in the cross of Jesus Christ. And so if you've come to that point in your life where you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ for your eternal life, then you've experienced that. You have experienced what it means to be on the other side and to look back and to know God, to experience who he is and what he's done. And so we know that if that's true, then he will be with us in 2019 in our other callings in life, in our difficulties. He has revealed himself to us. Yahweh is the God who delivers through his mighty acts of salvation and judgment. And he's done it for you. And so we don't simply respond in an intellectual understanding that these things are true. We experience the Lord. We know the Lord. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's something, it's one of these wonderful verses that's good to put up on a, you know, in a poster. Uh, what's the context? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. The whole context of Psalm 34 is difficulty. In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trial, in the midst of trouble, we are to taste and see that the Lord is good. Because we have come to know Yahweh. We have come to know our Deliverer. That's what it means to be and to know our saving Lord. And he, as we know him more and more, will give us confidence to live out our callings in 2019. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for making yourself known to us. You were not at all thrown off by the Israelites and their lack of confidence or Moses and his lack of confidence. And you simply affirmed that you would make yourself known through your deliverance and you have made yourself known to us. We thank you for that. We thank you most of all for freeing us from the grip and the penalty of sin, delivering us into the wonderful kingdom of your son, Jesus Christ, through faith in his work on the cross and in his perfect life. And so we pray, Father, that you would give us confidence to live out the other difficult callings that you have placed us in uh, even this year, even this week, uh, callings that we perhaps have not, um, we have not asked for and callings that perhaps we asked for but didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. Uh, Father, we pray that you would uh, show yourself to be that great God that delivers. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, now we have the opportunity to, uh, to taste and see that the Lord is good in the Lord's Supper. And as we prepare to do that, let's stand and sing uh, two verses of Break Thou the Bread of Life. <laughs>